Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Not only do I not have a closet full of nannies, I don't even have a closet big enough to house all those nannies. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray. And I'm Heather B. Armstrong. Today, we're taking a break from our typical discussions, or ramblings, maybe, to do two things. First, we're going to share some of the stories that all of you, our listeners, or readers, have sent us. It's very hard to, to transition away from saying reader to listener. Just understand. Just cut me some slack. True. And, and when we finally have them available to read, then either will be fine. So we're good. Okay. Uh, but most of these stories are hilarious, disgusting tales of vomit that I think anyone who either has kids or has ever been a kid can totally appreciate. Uh, a couple of them are more heartbreaking stories about single parenting and how single single parenting came about for these people but they all came about all of these all of these stories came to us came to our email because some part of this weekly podcast resonated with people and that was kind of the goal here it's kind of what we set out to do i think right yeah i mean this whole the whole parenting and single parenting thing can feel pretty lonely and we wanted to try and fight off that loneliness by saying hey we get it we we really get it and it seems like many of you are receiving the message, at least in some part or some way or, you know, some five-minute period of, of one of the episodes, which is awesome. Uh, so that's the first part. And that then sort of leads into part two of today's episode. And Heather, I think you know a thing or two about this. It's called the Pain Olympics is what it's called. And apparently I am the Michael Phelps of the Pain Olympics, <laughs> according to a lot of people. That's what a lot of people think. It's kind of the point that we want to make. We said it again and again and again, and I've written about this on my website. Like, this is not a competition. We are not here to say that we have it harder than anybody. We are just here to commiserate. And I think, you know, the majority of you out there understand that. There have, there have been a few comments here and there about <laughs> about how easy john and i have it and we we will agree again and again you know every situation is different but yeah um playing the pain olympics fun game yeah and and to reiterate again and i don't think we we could have an entire episode of just like replaying this but we're not here to say that we have it any harder than anyone else i could easily name a handful of things that make my current situation considerably easier than other people that I know, or harder than other people that I know. It's my situation. Heather's situation is different. That's the reality of it. And I, I don't think at any point in any of these episodes have we said, our lives are the worst, and we're going to tell you why they're worse than yours. It's just, this is our reality. Maybe you can relate to some of it, because yes. we are kind of 
we're all kind of alone in this experience, but there are things that can help us find a sense of togetherness. And when we turn it into a competition, that cancels that out. Yes. Let's let's not turn it into a competition. I don't even like talking about the Pain Olympics because it makes me crazy that people need to, to rank it. And, it, you know, it makes me crazy when people are just like, don't they understand? Don't you understand? Don't you you, don't you know how good you have it? You exploited your children for millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I want right. to say, do you know how expensive divorce is? I don't know if you do. <laughs> right. But that's, uh, that's why we're going to start with vomit because... That's related. <laughs> yes. To- totally. It is more related than, than you might think. Uh, so I think we'll jump right in. One of my favorites that we, that we received in our email and and as always, you know, I'll add this in here just like we do at the end of every episode. You can email us anything that comes to mind when you when you listen to these. If you have a similar story, a similar experience, if something resonated with you, we'd love to hear it. We do read them all. If we haven't responded to your message, we apologize. We're working on it, but we're we're responding to as many as we can as quickly as we can. But you can always email us at stories at manicramblings.com. One of the stories that made me cringe and laugh at the same time was uh, from a woman named Mandy. And she she has child, but she wanted to share a story about her own childhood relating to vomit. I thought it was, I thought it was great because I could smell it. <laughs> and, that, and that's, that's pretty a terrible. good story. That's a really good story. So I'll, I'll read it. It's fairly short, but I'll read a piece of this so that everyone can smell it with us. Uh, while I do have a kid of my own, I want to share a vomit story from my youth that still affects me to this day at the age of 33. I was in kindergarten and sitting by the classroom door, listening to my teacher read a book, when suddenly a classmate stood up, ran in my direction, and vomited on me from head to toe. (laughs) He had just eaten a package of those cheese crackers with peanut butter in the middle, and it smelled just awful. I was taken to the nurse's office where they tried to reach my mom, but she was in the middle of teaching a college course and couldn't be reached, because this was 1987, no cell phones. Uh, Therefore, the the nurse toweled... Oh, toweled off my head as best she could, put me in clothes she found in a lost and found box, and sent me back to class. I had pieces of caked vomit in my hair for the rest of the day and was decidedly the smelliest kid in class. The nurse then forgot to keep trying to call my mom, who was appalled when I came home in different clothes and smelling of rotten cheese slash peanut butter crackers that I still cannot even look at to this day. Oh. This is triggering. This is like, like, like I said, puke is the one bodily fluid as a parent I cannot <laughs> deal with. I can, sm- I can smell this story. I can smell it right now. You can totally smell it. <laughs> and there, there have been times when, when Lexton will come home and say that so-and-so was sick and threw up. And immediately it's like I, I look at him and I'm like, uh, on, on you? On your <laughs> stuff? What, what do you mean? Oh, no, no. On the other side of the classroom. Like, okay. All right. Just need to evaluate this because that's horrifying. And I know those crackers and that's what makes this even. Yes. I was just about to say oh. that. How many times my children have vomited cheese, the um, goldfish crackers. Oh. 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 And, and oddly, I mean, I watch them chew the crackers, but when they're in the vomit, they're like whole. <laughs> they, they like assemble themselves before coming back up. Like ready for their rebirth. One of my favorite lines of that story is the nurse toweled off my head. <laughs> no. I know. And think and think of the nurse who you, I can just see this nurse kind of like shrugging, like, well, what are we gonna do? I guess just wipe her down and find clothes in the lost and found box. Oh my gosh. That's that, like 
Yeah. That's not cleaning someone up. Toweling, toweling vomit off is not cleaning them up. You're making it worse. You're like shoving it into the hair follicles. Oh, <laughs> like smearing the peanut butter everywhere. Yes. I mean, and that's why she says, you know, even today at 33, she remembers that. That's something uh, you don't forget. No. It's like your first experience drinking too much. It sticks with you. Oh, man. See? Oh, man. I do you remember? Tell you, oh, do I have <laughs> I'm surprised that I can remember. It was the second time I had ever had a drink. And the first time I'd had a drink, it was just, it was a, it was a Utah one. You can only have one shot of, um, of, of, of liquor in your, in your um, drink in Utah. I won't, I won't get into the liquor laws in Utah, but they're crazy. And so the first drink that I ever had um, when I was 24, 24 wow. maybe? Um, was, was, um, I was like a shot of vodka and orange juice. Um, what is it? What are those called now? <laughs> is that vodka or isn't it a screwdriver? Yes, it's a screwdriver. Okay. And I didn't feel anything. And I was like, well, that's stupid. And so I think I was in San, where was I? Oh man, so I got, I sat down somewhere and I was like, what do I order? And so I ordered a Long Island iced tea. Which, if you don't know, has like 17 different liquors in it. and It's it just came, all liquor. It's all liquor. And it came in the size, I'm not even kidding, like of a, of a big gulp that you get at 7-Eleven. Oh, which means you know it wasn't good liquor. No. Uh-uh. And I was uh, about a tenth of the way through it, and I started to get drunk. And the person that I was with let me finish the entire thing. And I was sick for three. I mean, I could, I could have died. I mean, complete alcohol poisoning. Like, I could have died. Like, I was sick for three days just in total agony. And then I did not drink for two more years because I couldn't even I couldn't even fathom the idea of doing that. Again. Well, it was that bad? It was that bad, yeah. Oh. I mean, that, That's a Mormon trying to go drink. Oh, I'll have a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> not, not a good decision if, you're, if you've never really had a drink before. No. Mine was... Orange vodka right out of the bottle, and Ew. anything that is artificial orange flavored, I I can't tolerate the scent anymore. Because we'll just say that it was an experience that I could smell like the next day. I just it was like in my nose. Oh yeah, yeah, it was terrible. So it's a little bit different than kindergarten, but just as devastating. <laughs> just as devastating. Yes. Which brings us to uh, the second story that we wanted to share from um, a listener named Gina. Another one, another puke story. And uh, Lucky you. She says, when my daughter was younger, she's 10 now, she had horrible car sickness, which um, Marlo does too. You have to be really careful with Marlo. <laughs> so bad that I couldn't even take her less than 15 miles without puking while still in a car seat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you There's so many crevices in car so seats. So many crevices. Oh. So one day after Easter, I had the brilliant idea <laughs> to use her Easter bucket as her puke bucket. <laughs> I, this is my kind of listener. This is my kind of person right here. Oh, yeah. So it stayed in the car from that point forward for the next few years. <laughs> and before Easter each year, I would say, honey, go get your puke bucket out of the car so we can set it out <laughs> for the Easter bunny. <laughs> that is just... Resourceful, and it's all casual. Like, oh, go get the puke bucket. Yeah, go go get the bucket that you have puked in, <laughs> in every car ride about fifteen miles from here. Oh. So, oh man, Gina, I want to I want to sit down. I want I want you to be one of my, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I Lexton has never had 
motion. I mean, he'll he'll get queasy sometimes, but never to that point. But I'll never forget my my brother in law still gets motion sickness where if he sits in the back seat of a car, he has to take something, or he'll he'll throw up. And we were going out to where he used to live when he was really little, and we drove by. We turned this corner, and he's like, "Oh, here's puke corner." <laughs> I said, "What?" He said, "Well, when I was younger, I would have to drive to school, and every morning." At this corner, I would have to have my mom stop and open the door and throw up oh. so that we could go the rest of the way to school for, like, years to the oh. point where he's an adult, like, 30 years old. It's like, what? Puke corner. I, I've developed a sense of car sickness as I've gotten older when I'm in the back of a car. I don't know if that's just because I'm getting old. <laughs> like, you can't sit in the back anymore? It depends on how the person is driving, but if I'm on a windy road and I'm in the back of a car, I will get very car sick. So I have all empathy for for people who experience car sickness because it's not fun at all. Because it takes a while, for me at least, when I get out of the car to start feeling normal again. It's really unpleasant. Like, and being nauseated, I would much, much, much rather have a cold or some other type of sickness than nausea. Nausea is... It's terrible because you never know at least with me, I never know if I'm going to throw up mm-hmm. or if it's going to pass. If someone could tell me this this feeling will pass, but it will take four hours, it would be bearable. Yes. But it's like this lingering fear that you might possibly vomit everywhere. Well, for me, for me, it's usually like once I vomit, I feel better for about a good 10 minutes. And then I start to feel nauseated again. And then I'll need to vomit again. It's the worst feeling in the world. When Lexton was a lot younger, I told him he was sick and he was afraid to vomit and I said, you know, if you just, if you, if you throw up, you'll feel better. That's, that's how this works. That's how it always works. And eventually he threw up and he was so angry because he's like, I don't feel any better. I'm supposed (laughs) to feel better. I don't feel any better. And I think it was one of those illnesses where he threw up like five times over the course of a couple hours. Mm. And those were some dirty stares. He was, he was so angry. Oh, you lied to him. (laughs) Well, I mean, past experience, you know. (laughs) Every person's different. Every kid is different. <laughs> right. Yes. Which yes. I suppose didn't help with his vomit fear. Yes. But uh, we can take a break from from vomit for a second okay. to focus still on a sick kid story. But, you know, we, we talked about trying to work from home with sick kids. And, you know, we got a lot of emails from people who work from home with sick kids or maybe they're, they're not single parents, but they both work outside the home. And, you know, how do they juggle that and what do they do? And we got an email from Audrey who had kind of an interesting take. I don't have the the full email in front of me, but she, I believe her kids are older, are grown now. But she said, whether you're a single parent or a couple or if you work outside the home or at home, having sick kids while still making it all keep going is an ongoing challenge for every parent. And she's referring to employers here. I think this applies in some sense to clients as well. Employers don't approve of staff staying home with a child, and sometimes coworkers resent those with sick kids staying home from work. When my kids were young, I had to lie and say I was sick, and then hope to hell I didn't catch their bug right after. Yes, I've heard I've heard this um, refrain, especially from the fellow employees getting angry about it. Yes, a huge part of the conversation of women in the workplace who have children who have to take time off of work at all to take care of their children. And how that it's it's been a huge. I, I remember reading about that even before having kids and being angry at the at the bias against 
um, employees who have children. It's absurd. I mean, that's obviously very unique to people who work outside the home. And that's something that I'm glad I don't have to face anymore. Yes. And this is this is a really good example of how I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's a different challenge. It's a very different challenge. Yes. And I think it's really frustrating that people get mad at that. But then when smokers take an hour's worth of smoke breaks in a day, mm-hmm. nobody seems to care. Or, yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Or, or someone calls in sick and... This is like, you know, you have an an employee who doesn't have any kids and they call in sick, but instead they're going to see a concert. I mean, it's almost like, wait a minute, I have to call in in sick so that you don't get mad at me because my kid's sick and you got mad at me, but now you're going to take a sick day and go have fun. (laughs) Right. Something is very wrong with that. Because, I mean, that that, that happens all the time and I would do that. I would call in sick and go do something fun because I just want to take a day off. Right. Planned sick days. Yes. Which I'm not faulting people who do that. I'm not saying that I've never done it. Every situation is unique. I think, I mean, staying home with a sick kid, what is your other option really? You know, and I think most of those coworkers are people who've never had kids because anyone who has had kids, even if their kids are now grown and gone, I feel like they get they it. They get it. Yes. Because you they also do. don't want your kids at school with a sick kid who got sent because their parent was afraid of calling yes. in sick. But I have definitely called in sick for Lexton without being sick and had that same fear. Like, what if I get the bug next week, mm-hmm. you know, or tomorrow and then I have to call in sick twice and it's a fear. Yeah. And this is not something that I have had. I, I've been doing my website and been doing freelance work the entire time I've been a parent. And that's why I give major, major respect to those who suffer these types of challenges. That's, um, it's, these challenges are, they're not much better than they were 10 years ago, I don't think, in terms of women in the workplace. I mean, I think some companies are getting better about their policies, but I mean, the fact that there are still parents out there who are just wildly afraid of their child getting sick because of the ramifications at work show just how far we have to go. Right. And it puts more stress on a parent than they need. There's enough stress anyway. But I I didn't, I guess I knew that, but I hadn't thought that ever since you've had kids, you've worked from home. Yeah. I've always worked from home. It's a huge, huge privilege of mine. I'm very, very lucky to have always been here when they're sick. Be careful because right now you've got the gold medal. In the uh-huh. Paralympics, and you're inching your way closer and closer to silver and bronze. I know. I have it so easy. I do. I do. No, I mean, there's there's things that, that you do have easier than other people, just like me, but there's definitely areas that are more challenging. Yeah. That's just the nature of it. So, Audrey, thank you for bringing that up. That's an excellent point. And I think, like, like you mentioned, Heather, there's definitely work to be done to try yes. and make that not the case. So, next... Uh, This is also about sick kids, um, is a story from a listener named Kelly. She says that uh, each time my son is sick, my husband and I have what is called the workday chicken fight. (laughs) Which is awesome. This involves us arguing over who has more important stuff at work that they can't miss or can't do from home. It always, always ends up in a fight full of resentment and anger toward the other person. And so in addition to hating your spouse, you get the added bonus of guilt about not being able to just stop everything and be there for your poor sick kid. I feel that one. Mm-hmm. I have been, yeah. even when, when I was working from home, 
and and Heather was working out of the home, there was that argument because there was the assumption that because I was home, I could do everything. And yes, my flexibility was greater than hers, but there was still the tension. So it always falls on your shoulders when they, when the child is sick. It always because you know, I could at least do even if all I did was ten percent of my work, she could have done zero. So in some way, you know, it was less less of a sacrifice. But I think the hard thing is in these situations, you know, kids are so perceptive that I think a lot of times they notice that this is happening. And mm-hmm. I think you run the risk of it. And, and this is totally not a criticism to Kelly at all because this is, this is the reality of it. This is what happens. But the kids see it. And then I always wonder, you know, do they feel like a burden? Like they've done something wrong by being sick. Right. You know, so they feel like a burden. And the only reason the parents are doing it is because they're afraid to call in sick. They have too much to do. They're overworked, whatever the case may be. But I, always, I, I used to wonder that about Lexi. Well, even now, like, Lita will be sick and she'll be worried. She'll be like, well, are you going to be able to like, get your work done? Because she knows just how crazy my schedule is. I mean, she even knows at 12, is even before I have said you need to stay home because your your temperature is so high, she's like, oh, no, are you going to be able to get everything done? And I, ugh, I feel terrible about that. I feel terrible that that's even on her brain and that that's, you know, in, in that sick body of hers is like, oh, honey, I'm, you know, Whatever deadline I might not meet is not nearly as important as you being okay. And, um, yeah, I face that too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's nice to know that I think it says a lot about you that you've raised her to be considerate of that. I mean, it's not something she should have to consider. But the the fact that she's considering someone else, Mm -hmm. right, and saying, you know, how is this going to impact you or inconvenience you or what's going to happen? And like you said, she takes priority over every deadline. But yes. that is there's there's been some times where Lexton has stayed home and he gives me it's almost like the the puppy dog eyes, and he's like it's okay, I'll just sit over here, read, I'm like oh kid, don't, <laughs> don't do that because I know you can I know you can still have fun without me right there, but it is a constant pull, a constant pull, and she talks about Kelly talks about it's a fight full of resentment and anger and. You know, I I realized this the other day after I had gone on a date. <laughs> what? What? Oh no! Oh, was no. this was this a date in Utah? I said this was a date in Utah. The resentment, like there's. Let's talk about this. I'm really interested now. Man, parenthood is is so rife with complication. I think there's going to be a there's a there's a stumbling block for me in terms of dating. And that is that I have all of the custody of my kids. So they, I'm with them all the time. They are here every night. And even just getting a cup of coffee with someone is so difficult for me to arrange in my schedule that the resentment of the other person not understanding, okay, so for me to make time to come do this, I had to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And all he had to do was just show up. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And he, he could have shown up an hour earlier, an hour later, but yeah. you made time at that dedicated moment. Yeah. And 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 then if if I'm gonna go out at night, then I've gotta I've gotta the logistics of like making sure that I have a babysitter to and pay that babysitter for the time that I wait I'm away from my kids. And when this person can it's it's his like his ex has the kids that night, so he can just come out, right? So there's I realize I'm gonna run up against this 
tendency to be like, but wait a minute, do you, like, I have put all of this work to just show up to the table where all you did was you, you left your house. And I like, even in just two short dates, it felt like I had like run a marathon and he had walked out his door. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Because you, your challenge was to make this work was much harder on you. Yeah. Than on just them. to make the time was such a huge sacrifice. And I, I really, I realized, oh, this is something that I'm going ha- to have to work through myself. I mean, it's not his fault, right? It's not his fault that he can just walk out the door. This is something that I am going to have to work on. I'm going to have to let go of the idea that it's ever going to be quote unquote fair. Oh yeah. Nothing about parenting is fair. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing is and nothing ever will be. No. So yeah, that and that's a good point. I think the resentment and the anger in in any situation because you look at your sacrifice, I mean, whether it's right or wrong, and I guess maybe this is just like an in the moment pain olympics of some sort. But you look at the sacrifice that you made mm-hmm. to stay home with a sick kid, to make time to go out, whatever the case may be. And you look at the sacrifice that the other party made. Right? And you it's hard not to develop resentment. I think to a certain degree. I don't think it's necessarily the pain olympics because the other person isn't saying I have it so much harder than you. Um, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying to the person, you know, don't you know what I had to do to get here? But you could. Just have an understanding, just have an understanding of like the the distance that I had to travel in order to make this happen. Just have an understanding of that so that, you know, going forward, if I can't travel that distance, there's a reason. And it has everything to do with my situation. Right. So just recognize the differences which we will definitely circle back to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. The next story we're going to jump into is sort of a sick kid story, and, but, but in a much more dramatic way. And this comes to us from Misty. So she says, I am a single mom of two young boys who, until recently, had a geographically and emotionally, physically, financially, etc., distant co-parent. It was shortly after I had my youngest that my now ex-husband announced that he wasn't feeling it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, he lived in Japan, and I lived in South Dakota for the next few years. I was juggling all the crazy situations and scenarios of raising two young boys, working a full-time job, and trying to seek out some sort of social life when my youngest was diagnosed with leukemia. So that, that, and that's where I'll stop reading. This was one of those stories where it it seems hard to believe. And then you read the next line and 
it just got even harder to believe. And then you read that. And I mean, you know, basically they, they split and the dad moved away and her son got leukemia. Mm -hmm. So the dad came back with his new wife and they all moved because, you know, she was, uh, Misty was in South Dakota and they all moved, I believe to Minnesota for treatment and they're taking turns at the hospital and living in temporary housing and doing all of this. Right. And then thankfully and miraculously, you know, her, her son took a turn for the better and found recovery. And then as this is happening, her ex-husband's current marriage is just imploding. Oh my gosh. Right. So all of this is occurring while she's trying to parent. And work a full-time job. And work a full-time job. And I mean, this is the ultimate, it's not a sick kid story. I mean, leukemia is way beyond anything. Mm -hmm. And she did it and she's still doing it. She's still single parenting. I mean, you know, like I said, he he definitely took a turn for the better and he beat it. But to go through that and have a job and you can't you can't lose the job and you're moving and you're in temporary housing. And I, I it's it's crazy. And I, I definitely have to give uh, uh, Misty a high five because she screens calls from school nurses, too. Oh, yes. And that made me feel really good. And someone else, <laughs> someone else emailed Melissa, and she screens calls as well. I really thought I was the only one. I really did. But it turns out that is not a unique idea, and that makes me feel fantastic. It's, I mean, that is a that is a wild and kind of horrifying story, and yet we you still find like a, a commonality and like I screen the calls from school too. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and she's had everything from a majorly ill child to a long distance parent, you know, to all of that. And I think something that's worth pointing out here, you know, because we are going to talk a little bit about the Pain Olympics is, I mean, clearly I would never even try to say that I have it harder than her ever, ever, ever. ever. But she didn't email to tell us to stop complaining because we could have had it worse. She emailed and said, I totally get you. Here's my story. Because she took the approach of saying, there's a commonality here and we can kind of bond over this commonality. And I think that's really what this is about. That's that's what we want this conversation to be about. Yeah, and I hope that she has a supportive community or or a support system around her because that is is incredible to have lived through and to have come out the other side. And to be able to talk about it and still add in something like I screen calls. Yeah. Right, to still have a, a sense of humor... And reality about it, I think, is tremendous. And I also think, yeah, I think that's part of this situation is going through the fire of this and you find strength that you never knew you had and then you find even more and then you come to a place of um, not not necessarily contentment, but you're just like, look, I, I have lived through this and I'm doing it. And there's a sense of, of, of confidence and, and the ability to find humor in it is a, a part of of how this, our, our situations go. Right. I mean, it, it really tests your limits and you sort of realize you don't, you don't have limits as weird as that sounds. Yes. Right. I think for yourself you do, but when it comes to your kids, you don't, you just realize that that limit keeps getting pushed further and further and further and further because you will give and do anything, Mm -hmm. even though you didn't realize you had that in you necessarily. There, There are some days when I'm so tired by the time it's 
the bedtime routine is about to start. Like I, it feels almost like mile 22 of a marathon. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this, but you do it every night. You do it. Right. Because you have to. Because you have to. Yeah. I'm not just going to fall asleep and hope my kids somehow find their way to bed. Like it's, there's, yeah. They probably would. I would wake up and they would be like on the couch somewhere right. with with all of their clothes on, cold. Right. Shivering, yeah. Yeah. But they would manage. Uh, we'll go to the next story from a, a listener who asked not to be named. There are some capital letters. That may be why she <laughs> she says, I had a major court appearance for which I was already nervous. And of course, the husband was in his work city three hours away. An hour before I'm due in court, I get the call that my oldest is feverish and vomiting. The acute stress this causes, I cannot even tell you. We we hear we, you. Oh, yeah, we get it. I nearly vomited myself. WTF, what, <laughs> what do I do here? <laughs> court is stressful enough. Instead of finalizing preparations for my court hearing, I flew out of the door and down the road, picked him up from school, too rough, too distracted, not gentle and sweet enough because the countdown was ticking. We hear you with that one. Yes. Flew back to work, threw him at my shared secretary and said, please, please help. She, sweet woman, made him a nest under her desk of coats and scarves so that he could sleep in relative darkness and quiet and stay mostly hidden from the bosses who tend to see child illness as some sort of failure to plan on my part. <sighs> see? Yep, here it is again. And I went to my court appearance. I was able to go home with him afterwards, but oh my lord, what a day. I think he was five. Please don't tell anybody, anybody my name if you use that because on top of all the other anxiety, I could get sued for malpractice. Which is insane. And see, this is this goes to working parents having to make a decision. Well, do I leave my sick child at school? Exactly. And what a horrifying decision to be faced with. Not only in terms of like the fact that your child is sick, but your child doesn't feel well and you could potentially get other kids sick at school. And such a crazy unique situation where it's not like I have to leave my desk for the day. It's I, I have to be in court uh -huh. in front of a judge. <laughs> so I have to get my kid and I have to be here. I have to be in two places at once. And then, you know, she says, you know, too rough, too distracted, not gentle and sweet enough. Right. And then so you know that she's beating herself up because she should, she in her mind, she should have done this different, but she's just doing the best she can. With the stress of knowing that she has to go up here in court. And be composed, right? And be composed. You can be your best self in either capacity when this strikes. You can't be the best employee and you can't be the best parent when when these situations strike like this. You're, you're torn in so many different directions. And, and I think we've said this before, you're torn in so many different directions and basically what ends up happening is that you you can kind of only put half of an effort at most in any one direction. So nothing actually gets done well, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, like the pickup was rough. She was probably extra stressed out in court, I assume, because of just the chaos. You know, so everything suffers in some degree. And then you feel guilty about everything. Man. Having kids, it's a lot of fun all the time. That's the moral. If you're on the fence, <laughs> <laughs> these stories, just listen to these stories. If you're on the fence. Yeah, really, really pay attention. So we'll move to another story from Melissa. Uh, and this is just sort of, you know, not not so much a sick kid story, but more of a, a relating to it all, more of a nodding her head along during an episode. She said, after 16 years and two kiddos, my partner and I decided to divorce. 
Heather said what I have a hard time explaining to others. Though the decision was mutual, I had no idea he moved states away forever. He would move states away forever and leave me in a town we'd just moved to with no family and, at the time, a two-year-old and five-year-old. I've been raising them solo since. I mean, you know, we've talked several times about why we don't move. You know, you don't move because your mom is there, right? Mm -hmm. That's their support network. I don't move for very similar reasons. So they're in a new place, and he moves. That's crazy. Well, yeah, and I spoke to this at one point about the importance, I think, of talking a lot about this is to let others people know who are in different situations just I wish I had been more prepared like you know she had no idea that he was going to leave I had no idea that John would move it wasn't a possibility and you go into um, parenting and you go into relationships and I just wish that I had been more prepared for all of the things that I was about to go through like I wish there had been, I wish I had had a divorce mentor <laughs> to say this could possibly happen and this could possibly happen and this not and not as like a you know a, a, someone who's like going like it's all doom and gloom but just like you have to think of these things these are possibilities and you want to be aware of them so that when it does happen it doesn't completely wipe you off your feet it's like a game of chess like you can see the move that you're going to take but you have to know every possible move that you could make and then every possible move it, move that they could make because yes. without covering those spaces, you're going to be surprised by something. And it's not that's not to say that, you know, that it wasn't a mutual decision or that your your spouse is, you know, evil and they're going to do something terrible. But you just have to know because everyone makes a different decision for a different reason. And this is a great example of being, you know, she's alone in a town that she's not from raising two kids. Right. If your ex is dating someone or showing interest in a location that is not where you are, I would very highly suggest getting some counsel on what your rights are as a custodian. Yes. That's my two cents there. I would really advise that just to know and, and feel safe in the knowledge of like, okay, th these are my rights and this is the, these, are the these are the possible scenarios. It's very necessary. Even if you never need to go down any one of those, you know, worst case paths. Yes. You need to know that they're there. Totally understand. And we're glad that we could make you feel like you're not the only one out there experiencing that. Yeah. Thank you for that, Melissa. I'm glad that I was able to say that out loud. And so I think to transition into the Pain Olympics, this story from a listener named Sherry. And she says, I just listened to your podcast and wanted to add my two cents. Whenever someone's... <laughs> Whenever I get a comment on my website and someone's like, I just want to add my two cents, I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh, here no. it comes, oh no. She says, although my initial reaction was not sympathetic, I do remind myself that there are no medals in the Pain Olympics. I can work outside the home, as does my husband. Our families both live several hours away by car. When my daughter is sick, I take a vacation day and stay home with her. I have no one to cover me at work, so my work just piles up. I'm lucky, I guess, because if I have a hard deadline, I can bring her in and park her in my cube for a few hours while I get stuff done. I've gotten snotty remarks from coworkers over it. There we go. And it's just one more thing to put up with. I've sent her to school a little bit sick with the idea that it's better to get the call at work than to waste a vacation day on maybe. I'll admit that I was not sympathetic because my husband can't take time off with her. 
so I'm on my own too. And I was thinking that even if you got 25% of your work done at home, it's still better than the 0% I can get done at home. But then I realized that when I'm home with her, I'm all there and that's worth something too. It's a different situation. There's different positives. There's different negatives. Except that, John, I have two kids and you only have one. Well, my parents (laughs) live seven to eight hours away. How far away are your parents? Well, you have your in-laws there. Okay, do we do we need to talk about in-laws in general? They are great. I do agree. But I will add that not only do I not have a closet full of nannies, I don't even have a closet big enough to house all those nannies. Oh, I know. I do have help and I do have I do have help in the form of my babysitter and my mom. But Lexton is how old? 12 and can pretty much just take care of himself. And I have a six-year-old who can't at all. So. Yeah, that's true. However, you have two so they can entertain or mutilate each other. So that kind of just, it's like survival of the fittest. Right? Lexton, he's all on his own. But I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a single mom. You're going to you, play you that one. the Google search results for that? <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, I will give you that. I think society might view single dads as slightly more appealing. Maybe. Maybe. But you have, you have Kelly. We've already discussed that. I know. I'm very, very, very lucky to have Kelly. She's been a phenomenal influence on my kids' lives. And, uh... Again, like I, I do. I'm, I'm super, 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 super lucky, super lucky. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that there aren't days when, man, everything just blows up in my face, just blows up. Because your situation has its own twists and turns. That doesn't mean that you're not grateful for the things that maybe make some of those twists and turns easier sometimes. It doesn't minimize the fact that the challenges are there. I mean, none of these emails that I that that we've read from these listeners, it's not like I've ever finished reading one and thought, psh, that's easy. Why did they even share that? Because it's not easy for them. I mean, none of these are easy for them, right? Um, I was gonna say this as I shift my weight. Um, my like, I think my sister. So my sister has five kids, and they range in age how old is the from t- about 26 down to 14 oh wow my sister man my sister has raised the most amazing kids and i used to man i was so judgmental about her parenting when i did not have kids what is her name again i forget her name is september september that's right okay and uh i think i mean i'm sure she doesn't listen to this cuz she's probably afraid that i'm going to um, talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten close. My, my family and I could not be on, like, my. I'm over here. My family's on the other side of the rainbow. But she, so she's got five kids, and her youngest are in, are in middle school. And when they got to a certain age, she stayed at home. She's been, she's, she was a stay-at-home mom for years and years and years and years, but finally went back to work two or three years ago just to supplement the family's income to help her older kids go to college and whatnot. And I can't imagine what her daily life is like. 
even though she's got two kids who are gone to college and one is about to leave to go on his mission, and then she'll only have two left at home, she's working a full-time job managing those five kids and all of their different needs. And I can't imagine how hard she has it. And I would never in a million years say, well, you don't, uh, I'm at home. I'm doing this by myself. I would never say that to my sister, knowing that I, I cannot, the gymnastics that she must go through to have raised such phenomenal kids. And, you know, in our situation is just so completely different. Just And she's happily married, is not divorced. But I could see like what, what you're doing is far harder than what I do. Right. And you recognize that. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think she would ever come up to you and say, oh, you have it easier. Or say, oh, I have it so much harder. Right. I mean, maybe as a sister in a, in a sister way, but not like in a serious way. No, no. My, my sister, it would, it would, she would say this. She would say, you know, we love you. You know we love you, and if you need anything, you just text and you call, okay? That's my sister. Right. We love you. <laughs> right. There's there's no judgment. There's no competition. It's very Never. different situations. Yeah. Right. I, th- I think one thing, and maybe this is a good way to kind of wrap this up, someone very close to me in my life is battling a terminal illness. And at one point when I was sort of in the thick of everything last year, I was talking to him about it. And I, I made a comment. I said, you know, I don't, I don't mean to vent or complain or, or say any of this like it's, you know, serious. Because I said, I know that what you're going through is, is way worse, way more serious than anything that I'm experiencing. And he laughed. And he said, to tell you the truth, he said, I wouldn't want to switch places with you. <laughs> and I, I kind of looked at him and he said, I know that sounds weird. But he said, the reality is I know how to deal with my situation. I figured it out. I said, I, I don't know how to cope with what you're going through. He said, everyone has their own struggle and everyone knows how to deal with it. He said, when you really strip it down, if everyone's open about their own struggles, he said, I think a lot of people would be hard pressed to change places. Yes. That's so, that's so profound. It's such a great perspective because maybe, you know, maybe you don't know everyone's challenges, but that doesn't mean they don't have them. It doesn't mean they don't exist. It doesn't mean that they're bigger or smaller than yours. It just means they're different. Yes. So I don't know if, if we're on like a soapbox or something here, but I think it just, it, it's worth addressing because our, our goal here again is not to compete. It's not to say we have it better or worse. It's to say, hey, we're single parents. It's tough. There's positives, there's negatives, but it's difficult. And to let other single parents out there who might feel pretty alone in it, no that they're not that alone, that their story maybe isn't quite as unique as they thought in a way that, you know, kind of connects them to other people. That, that to us is important. Yeah. We don't want you to feel like you're out on a raft alone with, without, a, without an oar to, to safely come to shore. We, we want you to feel like you're on the island, on the deserted island with us. <laughs> <laughs> We're all deserted together with no raft or paddle. Yes. We're all scavenging and eventually you're going to kill each other because someone ate the carcass before the other person did <laughs> exactly and and again as always you know if you have any you know if, if any one of these vomit stories resonated with you in a disgusting way or if you have anything to add to anything that we've we've ever said including the pain olympics we welcome you to email us at stories at manicramblings.com you can also find us at manicramblings.com and on twitter facebook and instagram 
at Manic Ramblings. And until next time, Heather and I both take home the gold and silver in the Pain Olympics. But I won't tell you which one of us got the gold. I have two kids. Sorry. Michael Phelps over here. Michael Phelps. (laughs) Michael Phelps. Okay, you can guess who has the gold. (laughs) But the other one probably has silver and bronze then. I'm just saying. We have it harder than you. That's the whole point. Until next time, feel less alone. That's what we want. That's what we want. Exactly. Feel less alone. And feel free to share. That makes it less lonely. We, We love reading it. And we will do our best to respond. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.